As a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek advice of your therapist or qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. The host, guests, and podcast network are not responsible for any actions or decisions you make based on the information provided. Now, let's dive right in. Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy theme podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me again is you guys, the listeners. I have to say, it was so much fun to do the last episode, even though I was so nervous. I joked about this with my boyfriend and our producers that I probably said the word question a hundred times in the first five minutes of the last episode. I was joking that like you could have turned that into a drinking game, but that would have been terrible because everybody would be hammered two minutes in. And you know what? Sometimes doing new things is hard and we ramble and I make a bunch of mistakes, but you know, it's hard being a person and no one's perfect. So I kept that in there and you guys can just enjoy me being ridiculous for those three minutes. If you guys missed that, go back and listen because it's really funny. You know, after I got over the embarrassment of it, I had a good laugh about it, you know. And so you guys were so vulnerable with the questions you asked and, you know, all the stuff you shared. I thought, oh, I'll just talk about this with all of them and be vulnerable because, you know, we're all just people trying to be people. So if you guys have a question, uh, remember, you can always go ahead and call our phone number. It's 313-338-8828. You can leave a voice message for us to answer on the podcast. That's 313 And, you know, it just makes me so happy that this is such a supportive community. I mean, I feel like we're really creating a great network of people who can, like, share and support and be vulnerable. And, you know, I host another podcast, the Brain Candy Podcast, that has a great following. They're called, they call themselves the Brainiacs. I wish I was clever enough to give them that name, but they have their own Facebook group and they have gone through so many difficult things, so many like life struggles and challenges. And I just watch all these people who connect on their love of a podcast, support each other and grow together. And I just really hope that this podcast is able to provide the same thing and grow in the same way. We're going to have to think of a clever, cute name for all of you guys. Like, I don't know. I don't right. Think, t- have a think, and then you know, reach out and DM me your good ideas. So yeah, one of the other things that I wanted to focus on in this episode that I felt like I didn't do enough of last time is provide you guys with really great resources. You know, the self help world is like flooded with a lot of stuff that isn't that great. So with each one of your questions, I'm going to give you guys some great books, some uh, maybe movies or TV shows or documentaries, things like that, that can help you dive further into these topics, learn a little bit more. And we will provide those in the show notes so you guys don't have to like jot down these things while you're driving. We want everybody out there to be safe. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, call in with your questions. I just love it. A lot of these questions that we're going to be answering today came from people who listened to last episode and then called in. So if you're inspired, please do the same. And let's jump into today's episode with some wonderful questions, shall we? All right, here we go. Hello, Sarah, my sweet angel. First of all, I love you. I love the podcast. Thank you so much for the service you're providing for people, especially who can't afford mental health help right now. Like myself, we appreciate it. We love you. Um, My question is a relationship question. I recently have gotten into a relationship with my best friend. We're solid on all fronts, very open communication, beautiful relationship. Um, My question is more towards finances. So I am currently getting my PhD and um, am projected to have a pretty decent, uh, you know, higher middle class salary in the future. And my significant other is in the service industry and not planning on going back to school, which don't care. It doesn't bother me. Um, And but we're looking at pretty drastically different income levels. So when looking at our future, I'm just curious how to go about a conversation of ensuring that since I will be bringing in most of the finances, um, how do I ask to make sure that, you know, um, other emotional needs 
will be kept up with on his end. Um, he'll be pulling weight through, um, you know, other household chores and things like that. So just trying to navigate that conversation, especially when it's so far out. I'm only in my first year of my PhD right now. So trying to figure out how to go about that. And I would love your input on it. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you so much for this great question. And before we even get into that, thank you so much for all those kind words. I'm so glad that this podcast can help you. And I'm so glad that you reached out and you gave us a call. So you're amazing. Um, And also congrats on being a smarty pants and for setting this goal for yourself as somebody who pursued, uh, you know, higher education. That process is very stressful and very difficult. And it sounds like you are somebody who's really motivated and driven and really care about your partner's feelings and working together to ensure that these really big issues get discussed and discussed in a really healthy way. So tip of the hat to you for that. And uh, okay, let's get started by identifying first the goal here, what we're really you know, wanting to unpack with this question. We've got a relationship where there's an expectation that in the future, one partner is going to be making a lot more money. And it sounds like you're looking for some guidance and suggestions on how to approach the conversation and how to discuss things like these expectations, roles, and responsibilities, you know, given that income discrepancy. And, you know, these conversations are not easy ones to have, you know, like I'm pretty sure money and what is it? Money, housework, free time, physical intimacy, sex, and extended family are the top five things that couples most frequently fight about. So knowing that these are going to be very difficult ones, the ways that we can prepare and uh, uh, enter into that conversation can really help make those conversations successful. And these subjects are hard conversations because we all have such different experiences with things like money. You know, issues around money can bring up so much emotion for many of us because how we were raised and how money was discussed or the relationship that our families have with money can significantly affect how we have these kind of conversations. You know, for me growing up, um, like I, I see this in my own relationship when, you know, growing up, I had a family that always price shopped. We would always, you know, decide what we were going to cook or eat based on what was on sale at the grocery store. And I have a partner who was raised in a very different family where that's not something that they thought about or considered. So I noticed this when we grocery shop and I can feel almost these like feelings of anxiety that say like, what are you doing? Don't, you need to like look and see what's on sale when that's something that, uh, you know, maybe is just left over from lessons about money and and messages about money that I picked up from when I was younger that maybe don't apply now. So going into a financial conversation, knowing that people have different feelings on money and on finance can help kind of prepare, maybe bring those defenses down and have a little bit more compassion and understanding and an open mind or curiosity about your partner's feelings and experiences on finances uh, when you're having this conversation. But let's also recognize that we can't just have these conversations anytime, right? These are difficult subjects to discuss, emotional topics, hard things to talk about. So we don't want to do this when, I don't know, your significant other just lost in fantasy football may not be the best time. We're going to pick a time where you guys are feeling connected, maybe when everybody's in that calm state of mind versus a more, I don't know, alert, alarm, fear, or terror place. Because being in a calm mind is going to make us more open, um, going to make us better active listeners, and going to really put us in the right place to engage in what already is a difficult conversation that can bring up a lot of feelings. So bring that curiosity in and, you know, ask your partner how they envision their role in the relationship and what their expectations are. You know, you, you are just starting out. I think you said you're in your first year of your PhD program. That is going to be, uh, you know, something that is going to need a lot of support. You know, that is, that is, I would imagine as most PhD programs and, and grad programs uh, go, you're doing this maybe in addition to work that you're already doing. So I can expect the next few years to be, well, pretty stressful. I know because I've been there and, you know, having a partner who supports you during that process 
is so, so, so helpful. And I'm wondering if instead of thinking about it like, oh, he's supporting me now as I'm going through uh, the process of getting my PhD, and then later I'm going to support him because I'm going to be contributing it more. Maybe instead of thinking about it like that and instead looking at it as you guys are both working to support the future of your relationship, it'll feel a little more balanced and not like, I don't know, one person is the main character and you know the other one is just supporting them, following their dreams and you know their goals. Because the reality is financial support or financial contribution is only one of the ways that you can support your relationship, that you can contribute to the future of the relationship. There are so many other things that a partner can do that can help the future of the relationship that aren't financial. I mean, these are the things that I think women have been doing in the home for centuries, since like the dawn of time or since it became more of this like, uh, you know, the stereotypical man goes out and works and brings home the bacon and then woman takes care of the domestic roles. But yeah, there are a lot of ways that he could contribute and make you feel like the, I don't know, burden of supporting you guys is not all following falling on your shoulders because that is the that is the place where it can feel imbalanced and where that resentment can grow and it could be very difficult not can be it is very difficult to have this conversation in the moment when you see it actually happening i really love that you are wanting to have these conversations and set the expectation long before these things become issues in the relationship or there's that imbalance in contribution and those feelings of resentment are already existing I can remember a time when I was in a relationship where I made more money than my partner. And I also found that I was doing the majority of the domestic responsibilities and taking care of the house and things like that. And because I didn't have a conversation about expectations and how he can support in other ways, I like kept all of my feelings in and I never found an appropriate time to talk about it. And then when I was feeling you know, all this resentment and anger and frustration with my partner for not pitching in, I was already in too much of an emotional space to be able to communicate my feelings in a healthy way. And it would just come out as like, "Uh, I pay for everything. This is the least you could do. And that is not the healthy way to have this conversation or the right way to, I don't know, bring things up and talk about this and get your needs met. So again, come into the conversation with a curiosity about how they envision supporting you. Because I think that's going to be a great place to start rather than coming with this, you know, um, this is what I'm doing and here's what you should do. Ask him how he envisions supporting the relationship as you're supporting it financially. And our hope is that he's going to be one of those great partners that says, uh, yeah, I see all the ways that you are able to help our relationship and I want to support in an equal way. Where do you think I can lend my support? Or maybe he'll say, this is how I see myself contributing to our future and helping us achieve our goals. This is also going to be a great opportunity to make sure that you guys are on the same page with those goals for the future. You know, I'd imagine that if you are somebody pursuing a PhD and putting a bunch of work in that's going to equal a higher paycheck, that is also going to come with a lot of time and energy devoted to that career and to that job, which means less time devoted to the relationship and to your partner. And your partner is going to have to be okay with that and going to have to accept that. And this conversation will allow you an opportunity to also discuss their needs and their emotional needs as you are pursuing your goals and your badass boss bitch lifestyle. And you know, I'm also thinking that a financial planner might be a really good resource for you guys down the road. You know, these are people who are very comfortable and familiar with having discussions about money and about financial goals and take into consideration things like differences in income and, you know, are like comfortable having these conversations and very uh, used to having these conversations. So I think that could be a great resource for you guys down the road. Um, there also is a great book out there called The Five Money Personalities. Uh, the subtitle is Speaking the Same 
love and money language because like I said in the beginning, we have these different languages about money and and you know different experiences with money and relationships with money. So this book is written by a couple named uh, Scott and Bethany Palmer and they recognize that money is a part of every single piece of our lives. You know, I want to read you this little ex- excerpt from them that I feel does a really good job of illustrating why these conversations are so hard and why finances can be such a big issue. They say, here's the thing. Every decision you make as a couple involves money. Every single one. Money factors into everything from the kind of house you live in to where you go on vacation, from the kind of shampoo you use to the kind of bread you eat. It doesn't matter if we're talking about a $5 cup of coffee or a $50,000 car. Money is a part of every piece of our lives. And that's why couples who disagree about money will disagree about everything. So they explore our money relationship in this book. And just like how your physical relationship is about so much more than just sex and, you know, our emotional relationship is about so much more than just feelings, they say that our money relationship obviously involves so much more than just our money. You know, it's about how we connect or how we don't connect over making decisions when money is involved and all these deeper assumptions and beliefs that we have about conversations around money or the relationship that we have with money. So give that a read. I think that could be very helpful helpful for you guys. And uh, let's review here. You guys need to have a very difficult conversation and how we approach that conversation is definitely going to impact the outcome of it. So make sure you're entering the conversation when both of you guys are feeling connected. It's not already a real stressful time. Make sure you're approaching this conversation with empathy, understanding, and coming into it like a team and, you know, really acknowledging the income difference and discuss your future goals and really focus on those expectations, maybe coming from a place of curiosity about what their expectations are for the future and the ways or ideas they have of how they can, tr- can contribute, and then brainstorm together ways that can ensure that both of you guys uh, you know, have your emotional needs met and that you find a balance in household responsibilities and nothing falls on one person's shoulders or it feels imbalanced. And this is a topic where communication and compromise are going to be key and recognizing that it's never going to be 50-50. There are times when it's 80-20. There are times when it's 30-70. And, you know, we hope that in the end it all just kind of evens out. But, uh, yeah, I hope that that answered your question. And I hope that you check out those resources, uh, you know, a financial planner and that book, The Five Money Personalities. And, yeah, good luck out there. Congratulations on your PhD and just being the awesome boss bitch you are. And thanks for calling. All right. Well, before we dive into uh, our next segment here, let's take a moment to talk about something that's going to help you guys when Therapy Jeff and I are not around to answer all of your sex questions. And that is Beducated. Beducated is where toe-curling pleasure meets expert-backed education. That's right. They have hundreds, I mean hundreds, of courses that are designed to help you enjoy sex more, help master new spicy sex techniques, and become more confident in the bedroom. I know that's something that is a goal for many of us, and who wouldn't like to feel a little more confident in the bedroom? Beducated is a very like easy-to-access and not intimidating platform that will enhance your intimacy, spice things up, and it's created by world's, the world's top experts on sex and intimacy. These are the people who you want to be taking the lessons from on everything from like cunnilingus to increasing intimacy to uh, self-massage and couple massage. You name it, they have a class for everything. So go to beducate.me slash everything hyphen podcast, or just click the link in the description and you'll get 40% off the yearly pass with our coupon code everything. So give it a try with a 24 hour free trial. There's no risk because Beducated offers a 14 day money back guarantee. That's beducate.me slash everything hyphen podcast, or use coupon code everything. Check it out. Okay. On to the next question. Hi, Therapy, Jeff, and Sarah. I listen to you guys every day at work. And, I mean, I'm playing old ones from the very beginning. It's very helpful and enlightening. I just finished your episode about toxic relationships and realized that 
I am getting out of a seven-year on-again, off-again, married, toxic relationship. And I listened to Wave to try to help, but I do feel the physical, like, pain of a broken heart. And I didn't notice that I had kind of isolated myself from friends because of the drama and the relationship. And separate of therapy, I guess I'd like to have other ideas of how to properly keep busy and how to get through this difficult, dark tunnel that I'm in. Um, it's challenging. We've had a lot of ups and, like, no contact, come back together, no contact. But I think that this is the final be-all. And I just don't know how to keep myself above water um, healthfully. Um, I work out regularly for mental strength. Um, I attempt to meditate. I'm trying to journal and gratitude journal. But um, ultimately, when everything is quiet, I'm missing the good times with this person, and I don't know how to I guess, stop ruminating about it. Um, any advice would be super duper helpful because, again, I don't have friends <laughs> currently that I can spend time with that could, you know, pull me out. Um, I'm in my 40s. I remember that was important to share. Um, I think that's it. Um, I just need help and guidance in how to get past this step. Because I Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, man. Isn't heartache the worst thing ever? I am totally convinced that there is no greater pain than a broken heart. It is physically painful. It takes a long time to recover from. And it that that path of, of healing and recovery is not linear. It does not go in a straight line. And it's not just like every day we get better and better. No, there are times when, you know, we feel like, oh, I, I could do this. I, I'm going to start over. I'm, I'm going to live for me. And then there are other days where we feel like I have no one and no one's ever going to love me. And I'm so sad and it can feel so lonely. You know, I, I want to highlight a few things that I heard you say in that question. You know, first, when I hear you say we had contact and no contact and contact, no contact. And, you know, now you're trying to ha like hold that boundary. It is really hard to start that healing process and stay on that healing journey. When we put ourselves back in that toxic relationship. And, you know, sometimes, especially when you are married, it's very hard to avoid, but it is it, the, anything you can do to try to limit the contact and limit the interactions you have with this person is going to help you heal, you know? And I, I, I want to just say that this is like a really normal feeling, you know, it's, it's not something, even when we do recognize it, a person that may be really unhealthy for us, the loss of companionship, the loss of having that someone, anyone, even if it's someone who wasn't treating us well, there can, can feel really empty. And I just want to remind you that even though your brain may say, I'm alone and I have no one, I bet there are people who absolutely love you and absolutely will be there. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a therapy session with a client who's, you know, feeling those feelings of grief and sadness and, and, you know, loss of, of a relationship or any kind. And their that lonely brain will say, you're all alone and you have no one. And then a few seconds later or a few sentences later, they'll talk about, oh, you know, like I was talking to this friend the other day, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, excuse me, what? Talking to a friend? So 
You're not totally alone. Sometimes, again, that lonely brain will say you're all alone. But when we really uh, ask ourselves, like, am I? There are people there who, and even if it's just a few, you don't need a lot. You just need a person. And if you don't have that person, then family works. And if you don't have the family, then that's when a mental health professional is really helpful. So I understand, and it is it is very understandable, I've done this myself, that you may have isolated yourself from friends during these ups and downs, but there is no better time to reach out and reconnect with them. And any time that I've done that, any time I've, I've been in a, especially when you're in a bad relationship, you tend to isolate and avoid the people that you love the most and the people you're close with, because often those are the people who will hold a mirror up to your life and will maybe point out the ways that the relationship you're in is changing you or isn't healthy. And I know for myself, like I avoided those friendships and I went years without seeing the people who I knew were going to tell me, I know you're unhappy and I know you deserve better. Or maybe the people who you think are going to say, See, I told you so afterwards, and that's not what they want to do. They just want the best for you. They want to see you thrive. They want to see you happy, and don't listen to that lonely brain that's lying to you that's saying you have no one. So try to reach out to friends. Let them know what you're going through. I mean, we, like I said, heartache is universal. We have all been there, and I think that they might be more understanding and supportive than you may think. And spending time with friends can be such a great distraction and also help train that lonely brain to not feel so lonely anymore. So, okay, reaching out to friends, that's a great option, but you know, maybe you are feeling really isolated. That's what it sounds like. And since you mentioned that currently you're struggling with friends or, you know, don't have friends to spend time with, maybe there are some other ideas we can kind of come up with to help you get through this period. And of course, number one is always going to be self-care. You know, so many people think that self-care is like getting a massage or getting a pedicure. And yes, that can be part of it, but self-care is anything. Like the real definition of it is anything that supports you being the best version of you. This is how you take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally. It sounds like you're doing some of these things like staying physically active, you know, sometimes, and like practicing meditation or mindfulness, sometimes it could be things like getting our finances in order or something else that's been stressing us out for a long time. That provides kind of like a distraction or some sort of self-care. And I'm probably just primed from the last question on finances. And uh, let's see, what else can be considered self-care that you wouldn't normally think of? Organizing. Organizing is self-care. I know for myself, it can be really, really helpful to just clean a drawer, organize a drawer. It helps you feel like and tell your brain, I may not know what's going on in the rest of the world, and I may not have control of this and this and that right now, but I do know what's going on in this drawer, and I do have control over that. And that provides a little bit of calm and peace for our mind that can be so beneficial. So engage in that self-care, anything that feels good for you. And also explore new interests. You know, this is a time where you can discover new hobbies, do things that you've always wanted to try. You know, kind of think of it as dating yourself. I remember when I got out of my marriage, I, oh, I felt so lonely, even though it's what I wanted to do. And I just dove into rock climbing. I was like, I'm going to be just make this my personality and do this. And luckily there was community in that. So maybe there's something that you're interested in, or maybe something that your partner didn't want to join you in that you could engage in and I don't know, do now for yourself. Uh, always it's important to think about seeking professional support. You know, if those feelings of loneliness or isolation or that like lonely brain, like I said, starts to tell you other things that are, are, uh, maybe like some scary thoughts like that are very typical when you're feeling lonely. You know, those are things to share with a mental health professional. And we've talked about how it's really hard to find, uh, you know, good resources. You know, don't hesitate to try 
uh, local resources like schools. You know, there are are really low-cost services available from students, people who are in school, to be mental health professionals. I know I worked in a community, community clinic when I was in grad school, and we had a sliding scale where it was like $6 to see a therapist. And sometimes just talking to anybody about these feelings is great, and these are students who are really excited about helping. So I hope for any of these questions and any of our listeners, you guys remember that there are great mental health resources out there that you can kind of turn to in these times. And, uh, okay, what else can we do? We've talked about self-care, new interests, some professional support. There's also a ton of support online. You know, usually I'd say like stay away from social media and those kind of things, but there are great support groups and great online communities of people who have maybe, uh, I, like, I bet there's some online, like, Facebook community of, of, like, I survived a toxic relationship, and I'm just getting out of it. How do I connect? I bet there's a group on Facebook or, or somewhere of these kind of people, and I've heard from many clients that just finding a group and reading through forums of people who have similar experiences or who are sharing their ideas of what they did to help themselves and get through these times – Really, really helpful. Really, really a wonderful tool that's often underutilized. And you know, people think, "Oh, what am I going to get from a bunch of strangers?" Trust me, there's a lot you can get. So try that. And then, above all else, be patient with yourself. You know, remember that healing takes time, and it's so important to give yourself that self-compassion and patience as you move through this process, you know, allow yourself to feel that pain. It is okay to cry a whole bunch and, you know, listen to some songs that evoke some emotions and move through these feelings. And remember that we all deserve to be in happy and healthy relationships and no good marriage ended in a divorce. So if you're separated from your partner and, you know, things are ending, remember that it, it wasn't a good place for you to be. As you said, it was a toxic relationship. Anyways, you know, I do want to give you some ideas for books. You know, as I was going through my divorce, the book that helped me so much was Wild by Cheryl Strayed. It is such a great story of finding yourself and, uh, I don't know, like reconnecting with who you are after experiencing a a breakup or a a change in relationship. So I loved that one. She also has another book called Tiny Beautiful Things. It's a collection of advice columns that deal with love and loss and personal growth. And I think that you are really going to get a lot from that. So check out the whole Cheryl Strayed collection. I think that that will maybe provide you some support and also some stories of people who've gone through similar things. So I hope that helps, you know, just be really, really gentle with yourself during this time. Don't let that depressed, sad brain lie to you and say that you have no one, because even if it's somebody who's a mental health worker or a counselor, there is somebody out there who can provide you some support, listen to your story. And I know that there are people out there who love you. So reconnect with those friends and don't be scared to be vulnerable, even though it's super, super scary. Love you so much. And thank you for listening. Okay. Before we answer that question, I've got a question for you. Are you somebody who can't stand grocery shopping and doesn't really want to think about what the heck meal they're going to make? Or maybe you've got people in the house like I do that are, uh, you know, following some specific meal plan. Well, Green Chef is here for you. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, so they have such a wide array of different meals and uh, like meal types you can choose from. I know right now, uh, Eli is doing keto. So we want to get meals that are in line with what he's eating. And luckily Green Chef has all that. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for clean eating and it makes it so easy. These are certified organic delivered right to your door. Like you don't even have to think about it. The instructions are all there for you. And best thing, I think the meals taste amazing. Every single time I finish cooking a meal and 
take my first bite, I'm always so impressed and surprised that I made that. And you can have the same feeling. You All you need to do is go to greenchef.com slash 60TCE and use the code 60TCE to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. This is like the gift that keeps on giving. Again, go to greenchef.com slash 60TCE and use code 60TCE to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. It's the number one meal kit for eating well. Enjoy. Okay, well, let's take a listen to voicemail number three. Hi, guys. Uh, Thank you for letting me uh, ask a question. My name is Tyson. Uh, I guess it's kind of a line of questions, but... Okay, so about six years ago, got in a car accident and I lost my fiance. Uh, we were pretty newly engaged. And so I suppose my question is relating to trying to date post going through something traumatic like that. And it's been almost six years, but I still just, I'm 36 years old now. I've really just got to the point where you know, you're getting a little older, you're wondering, what, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you know, am I ever going to have a kid? This, that. It's just, it's such a shit storm. And I guess, uh, what would your advice be for someone like me who is just fed up with the way the dating world is? And, you know, I don't want sex. I don't want hookups or one night stands. Like, I'm actually trying to find love, but live in a place that it seems like there's not really a lot to go out and do, and, you know, I don't want to go to bars and this and that, and every single person I meet, they just want to, you know, fuck on the first date, and if I don't, they assume I'm not interested. So I'm, I'm very hopeless, honestly. It's very miserable, depressing at times. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? If you guys can give me any kind of advice at this point, it's, yeah. Um, I'll shut up now. Thanks for listening. Oh, Tyson. Thank you so much for your call. Man, my heart goes out to you. Oh, I could cry over listening to that. I might a little. Because, man, what I hear is somebody who really, really cares about love. Oh, I knew this was going to eventually happen. I was like, one time our listeners are going to say something and it's going to make me cry. And you guys are just going to have to... move through these emotions with me. I mean, maybe that touched your guys' heart too. But like what I hear is a guy who really wants love, who cares about the right things in a relationship and maybe had that and felt that and then lost that. And, oh, I can't think of anything like more heartbreaking than to have to go through an experience like that. So my heart really goes out to you, Tyson. And, you know, I just want to like Thank you for your vulnerability and being able to share that on here. And I know it's it's been some time, but you know these feelings I'm sure take a long time to kind of work through and never really go away, and are going to be things that you know might be feelings that you have to address in all your relationships to come because that was a big big loss. You know, I also really thank you for calling and talking about this from a male perspective and it it is so reassuring i know to our female listeners who hear a man say i don't want to just hook up i want real connection like i don't want to seem like i'm not interested but i want something more i work with a lot of females who have thought and believe in like our listeners, friends, you know, I hear often women who have these feelings of like, oh, they love to say like all the guys I I meet online, they're just looking for one thing. And I just hope that you guys listening can hear, here we have a guy who's saying, I want something real. I don't want to hook up. So my women who are saying the same thing, Trust me, these men are out there. We just have to be open. We have to be vulnerable and we have to be direct in what we're looking for, what we're going through and what we want. So first off, Tyson, I really want to just acknowledge the impact that that car accident must have had on you and that loss of your fiance in that event. I mean, traumatic events can have such a profound effect on our life. And 
this includes our ability to trust people, our ability to connect with others, our ability to open up our hearts and, like I said, be vulnerable again. So it's so important to acknowledge and process the grief and the trauma that you've experienced. And, you know, I, I hope that you have supportive friends or maybe a therapist that you've talked to about this, people that you can help or that you can open up with and people that can help you navigate these emotions and provide some guidance on moving forward. You know, I hope our, our show can help you in some way and listening does that. But when it comes to dating, you know, if we want to like talk about how to get back out there and how to talk about these things in relationships or like finding love for you again, there is not a one size fits all approach to this. You know, there are, Everything is going to be, it's going to be different for everyone. And there are going to be some of these things that may feel mm, like a good fit for you and others that maybe you don't want to do. So here are some suggestions that I have on ways that you can kind of move forward and have some of these meaningful relationships that you're looking for. Uh, first and foremost, it's okay to be really clear about your intentions, like communicating that desire for a serious and committed relationship right off the bat sounds like a scary thing to do and sounds like maybe like, oh, who's, who's going to, that's not what people want or, or maybe that's coming on too strong or something like that. But not if you're an adult having adult relationships looking for something real, being direct and communicating exactly what you're looking for can help filter out people who are not looking for that kind of commitment. So even if you're meeting somebody IRL or if you're using the dating apps, being open about that and saying, yeah, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for a committed relationship and to find somebody that I can, you know, grow a life with. That's wonderful and amazing. And there are wonderful people out there who are looking for exactly that too. Uh, also, you know, consider exploring some different ways of meeting people. I have some friends who have recently tried speed dating and it's not what you maybe think it is or like the speed dating that you think of from the past. Like this is a new way that people are connecting and meeting people. You know, people want more face-to-face -face connection and Maybe there's even like groups for people who have like lost a loved one or something like that. You know, you never know. Like I mentioned before, there are great online communities and online communities for people who have lost significant others, lost loved ones are also out there and wonderful places. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, online dating where it might not be right for everybody, this allows you kind of a larger pool of partners and people who might be looking for exactly what you're looking for, those committed relationships. There are many different dating apps out there. I'm a big fan of the ones that, um, like, I, I know nobody uses these. Everybody likes Hinge and like Tinder and like those fast, you know, swipe left, swipe right thing. But when I was online dating, I went on the best dates when I used eHarmony. I don't even know. Is, is eHarmony still a thing? I think it is. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful one. I, um, I hear Match is a great one for meeting people. So there are great online dating apps out there. There are ones for, um, you know, all different types of people. So even though it's a scary thing to do, don't be afraid to be very honest and open in that profile of what you're looking for. Maybe even sharing it with a friend to see what they think about the profile. If it's be like a, a good, accurate reflection of who you are. So yeah, reach out to those friends and family and let them know even that you are actively looking for a meaningful relationship. You know, I have friends that have been set up by friends of their own, by people in their family. You know, that whole like, hey, you know, I know somebody who might be good for you thing is a great way to meet other people. So maybe let somebody set you up on a date and just kind of get out there and start practicing. And remember that that dating is kind of like, auditioning to be in a relationship. And it's okay if you go on a lot of auditions before you settle into one. And you can just use that to kind of practice uh, talking to people and getting back out there. 
And, you know, speaking of practice, don't forget to practice that good old self-care too. You know, do things that bring you joy, do things that make you feel fulfilled. And maybe through doing those kind of things, you can meet somebody who is interested in similar things as well. You know, uh, I wanted, again, to work on providing better resources for you guys and books. And there is a great book called Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience, and Finding Joy. And it's written by two people, uh, Cheryl Sandberg and her friend who's a psychologist named Adam Grant. And uh, Cheryl uh, Sandberg wrote this book after the loss, the tragic loss of her husband. And she had those feelings of, I'm never going to be able to put the pieces together. I don't know where to go from here. And this psychologist, Adam Grant, uh, told her that there are concrete steps that people can take to recover and rebound from life-shattering experiences. And his quote says, we are not born with a fixed amount of resilience. It's a muscle that everyone can build. So I really recommend that book to help you A, not feel so alone in this experience, and to show you that this resilience is a muscle that you can build. And yeah, we just love you and support you and are so uh, uh, grateful that you reached out and shared that and, you know, let people kind of into what you were going through. And I hope that this question provides a little bit of guidance and some more support. You know, remember to connect to other people and really focus on you. And it's okay to be open and, and discuss this with the people that you're dating because I think somebody who's really emotionally mature and ready for a good, healthy relationship will be able to hold that space and uh, hear that story and your feelings when you're ready to share with them. So thank you and thank you for listening. Let's take a quick time out though to talk about some people who are helping me answer the question, what scientifically proven stuff can I use to help fight the causes of aging? Because, you know, it, we're not getting any younger over here and I need all the help that I can get. And I also am somebody who's not going to do a thousand steps in their routine or, you know, I, I need it to be simplified and not complicated. And One Skin is the skincare company that provides me those solutions. All of their products are powered by scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets fine lines and wrinkles right where they start at your cells. So yeah, this isn't just another skincare routine. This is a real science breakthrough. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. And by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking younger and for longer. So get started today with 15% off using code TCE at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code TCE. And after your purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. And please make sure that you mention TCE and support our show. Tell them that we sent you there. It super helps us out. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys are loving the skin that you're in. So new year, healthier skin, that's one skin. All right, well, let's move on to voicemail number four, shall we? Hey, Jeff and Sarah. Okay. I totally just sent a voicemail, but this one is more concise. So first off, I love the podcast. Love y'all's personalities. Keep it coming. So my question is about friendship and authenticity. I'm someone who values personal growth for me and for the people I'm in community with. I have a friend who I've noticed isn't particularly receptive to feedback. They are dismissive and rejecting of my thoughts, and I think they are wanting more of a friend who never says no to them and their life choices, even if it hurts them. I think it is important to give and receive loving feedback in community, since it doesn't seem like my feedback is wanted or considered. That is a boundary I will honor, but it also makes me feel like I'm not being authentic by not being able to say anything other than yes to this person and potentially painful life choices. 
I'm wondering if my friend and I are not compatible in close friendship, and maybe we would be able to exist better as casual friends, where I can feel like I'm not being inauthentic by holding back my thoughts that are intended well, but maybe don't land on them the same way I want them to. So, yeah, if you can just give me your thoughts, I would love to know. Thank you all. Thank you so much for this question. I am so glad that we're going to get an opportunity to talk about adult friendships on here. You know, I know that this is a situation that I myself have experienced, and I am sure that many of our listeners who are interested in self-growth and self-improvement have maybe experienced as well. You know, it could be so hard to navigate relationships when we all grow at different times. We're, we're on this journey, you know, climbing this mountain of self understanding and growth. And the higher we get in that climb, the fewer people may be at our elevation. You know, it's it like I've heard before that it's lonely at the top. And, you know, when you take the high road, it can be a lonely place. And not everybody is ready to, you know, make those jumps and, and grow as a person at the same time. And that's okay. You know, you can plant two seeds right next to each other in the exact same soil, give them the exact same uh, care, and they may sprout at different times based on what each little seed needed or where each little seed was in their own growth process. And that is okay. So, you know, in listening to your question, I'm reminded of something that Therapy Jeff said. He discussed a while back intention versus impact. And it sounds like you have such good intentions here. You know, you want to help and you want to see your friend grow and it's all for the best, but it feels like the impact that it's having on your friendship or how your friend is receiving the information isn't really what you intended or what was planned for. So it's completely understandable that you probably feel frustrated and disappointed when a friend is dismissive or you know, maybe not receptive to feedback. And it could be really challenging and hurtful when like authenticity is something that you so value and personal growth and friendships is so important. But it feels like your friend right now might prefer a different dynamic in the friendship. And your desire and your need for open and honest communication is totally valid. You know, that is something that you're allowed to say, this is what I want in a friendship. And it is important to have friendships where you can express your thoughts and, you know, express your concerns without feeling like you have to hold back. Nobody should feel like that. And it is also really disheartening when you're there being really authentic and that authenticity isn't being reciprocated. It can feel, I don't know, like you're, you're doing something wrong for being that better version of yourself or the best version of yourself. But remember that what you want for your friend and what she wants for herself may be different. And your friend may have her own set of boundaries where she is not really receptive to feedback. And that does not mean that you don't have an important place in her life. It just may mean that right now, the friendship where she gets feedback about her actions or behaviors isn't what she's looking for. So, you know, I, I want to ask you, is it possible for you to maintain a friendship with this person, like you said, at maybe a more casual level or understand that you guys are at different places right now in your own personal journeys? And that's okay. That's okay to be at different places. You know, take this time to kind of reflect on your needs and what you want in a friend. And this may be a question of maybe for you of like quality over quantity, you know, as, as we grow, kind of, like I said, it's lonely on the high road. It may be that as you oh, grow as a person and become more particular about the kinds of people that we allow into our lives, uh, you know, the, the, number of people we allow into our lives is probably going to change too, especially the ones that we allow into those really close 
relationships and the people that we become really open and vulnerable with are going to have to be people that are more matched and, and can, you know, have that kind of relationship where you prioritize authenticity and personal growth. And not everybody is going to be on that same page and not everybody is going to be able to do that in a friendship or want to do that in a friendship. And, you know, when we choose to love someone and when we choose to be friends with somebody, we are not choosing to be friends with their potential. We're not choosing to be friends with who we want them to be. We are choosing to love and be friends with the person that we have in front of us, who they are today. And we can maybe change how much of our energy we give them or how we show them that kind of love. But we sure as hell can't change them or make them do anything different. You know, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So, you know, maybe check your expectations of of this friend. And do you have the expectation that all people are going to, like, listen to your advice, take your advice, and be uh, ready to make change? Because let me tell you... Sometimes what we want for other people and what they want for themselves are very different things. I know this to be so true for myself. I remember there was a time where uh, I went to – it was a therapist I was going to when I was in grad school. And as you can imagine – you know, I'm, I'm so excited about self-growth and learning and being better and, you know, self-improvement, all the things that it sounds like you're very excited about and, and want in your life. And so I was dishing out advice right and left. I was telling people all over the place what they should do, uh, you know, shooting all over the place, should, 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 you should do this, you should do that. Nobody likes that. So my therapist said, uh, hey, Sarah, do you want to know when people or how to know if somebody wants your advice. I'm like thinking she's going to give me some deep therapeutic, you know, response. And I'm like, got my notepad ready. And she's like, uh, they'll ask you or they'll pay you for it. Those are the ways that, you know, and, uh, she said very simply and very straightforward, no ask, no advice. And that was a hard pill to swallow because I felt like I had so much great advice to give, but I really had to learn that, you know, if people aren't asking for it, they may not be ready for it. And it is just going to be something that I want and change I want for them, but they don't want for themselves, which just leaves me frustrated and leaves them thinking that, I don't know, we know what's best for them. And that could be a real strain on a relationship or make the other person feel like, I don't know, we, we don't trust them to know what's best for themselves. So yeah, you know, I, I think that a great book that could be really helpful for you is the book, The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Uh, I believe that the subtitle of this book is like, how to let go of your expectations of who you are and start embracing or expectations of who you should be and start embracing who you are, something like that. But I think it'll be a great book that'll help you recognize that maybe our expectations um, can sometimes set us up for some disappointment if we really hold on to those expectations. And so, yeah, I I think that book, The Gift of Imperfection, will really help in you accepting the imperfections of others or maybe like where they are in their personal journey. And so, yeah, like remember, you know, it's very important for you, of course, to prioritize authenticity and personal growth and friendship. But if your friend is not receptive to the feedback, then this may be a different kind of friendship than what she's looking for. And it's okay to adjust the friendship and the nature of the friendship as people grow and they change. And it's definitely okay to prioritize your own well-being and seek friendships that align with your values. So I hope that this answers your question. I hope that you guys are able to uh, connect in a way where you both accept who you are uh, and where you are on each person's individual journey and can keep in mind that these are places that we don't stay forever. And maybe there will be a day where she is ready for that and is open to that. And, you know, you don't have to close the door to this friendship, but you can recognize what it is for right now and make sure that you're not giving too much of your own energy to something that isn't receptive to it, isn't ready to change, um, 
you know, or somebody who isn't asking for that kind of support or advice. So yes, I hope that this is helpful and I wish you the best in your friendship and in navigating this, um, like growing pains kind of moment of the friendship. So thank you so much for your call and for listening to the show. Well, I absolutely loved every single one of those questions. You guys had some really, really good ones. I mean, we talked about how to have difficult conversations about financing, uh, financing, finance, uh, how to move on after trauma, uh, after a big loss. We talked about how to navigate friendships, so much good stuff. So again, thank you guys for your questions. You can call 313-338-8828 if you have a question. Coming up, we also have some very exciting guests uh, soon on This Changes Everything. We're going to be talking about love and sex and all things kink-related with MTV's Cara Maria. She's going to be sharing her advice on getting spicy in the bedroom and on alternative relationships. And I love hearing people's personal stories. You know, as therapists, we you know, love to answer the questions, love to give you guys all of like the psychoeducation and, I don't know, the therapeutic take on it, but hearing from real people in real relationships who've experienced all this stuff themselves, I think provides so much insight. And I know you guys are just going to love that. We also have some great interviews scheduled with amazing authors. And uh, yeah, so I'm just really looking forward to bringing you more helpful content from sexperts and experts and mental health professionals alike. And uh, remember, we've included all of these awesome book recommendations and some other helpful resources in the show notes. So check those out. You can get those, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, like right in the description. And if you're interested in laughing and learning, uh, you know, like me on this podcast, then you should also try listening to my other podcast, The Brain Candy Podcast. I'll also link that in the show notes. And don't forget to leave your review on our podcast app. It helps me so much. And it makes me feel so good because, you know, like I said in the very beginning of this episode, Doing it all by myself was scary and new and hard and brought a whole bunch of new challenges and things that I wasn't expecting. So if you guys are liking this, um, you know, let me know. And it makes me feel so good. And, you know, like uh, it's all all the hard work that I put in is worth it because you guys are getting stuff from the podcast. And I love to learn that through the amazing reviews that you guys leave. Um, So thank you for doing that. And thank you for listening. I love you all. And I'll talk to you next time on This Changes Everything. Bye.